So it's really what a great morning to see those four people get baptised and their journey in God and just really encountering God. It's amazing, wonderful stories. And uh, as John explained earlier and as they explained as they got baptised, what it is, the baptism is an outward sign of something that's gone on inside, a life transformed. It's not just joining a club or anything like that. And it's a life transformed by Jesus. And so what I thought would be good at this time, which won't surprise you, is we're going to turn to the Bible and, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, and we're going to read a story from John chapter 5. I'll read it as, uh, as efficiently as I can. And it's a story of a healing at a particular place. Jesus healed this guy. I'll read the story. <clears throat> it says this, After this there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame and paralysed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool. When the water is stirred up, and while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath. So the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it is the Sabbath and it is not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn, and there was a crowd in the place. Afterwards, Jesus found him in the temple and said to him, See, you are well. Sin no more, that nothing may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him, and this was why the Jews were persecuting Jesus, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, My father is working until now, and I am working. This is why the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him, because not only was he breaking the Sabbath, but he was even calling God his own father, making himself equal with God. So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. For the father loves the son and shows him all that he he himself is doing. And greater works than these will he show him, so that you may marvel. For as the Father raised the dead and gives them life, so also the Son gives life to whom he will. The Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son, that all may honour the Son just as they honour the Father. Whoever does not honour the Son does not honour the Father who sent him. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. A long story. Hopefully you kept up with it. It was behind me, wasn't it? Yes, good, excellent. So there's a lot going on in this story. And obviously there's evidence at this place, this pool, healings went on from time to time. And it's a funny situation, isn't it, where you come to a place and one person gets healed. There's many people there crowding round. And, uh, but that's what was happening. It was obviously definitely the healings were happening. And it might have been there was hot springs, there's healing properties in the water. There was something going on why these people got healed. Otherwise, why would these people go there if there was no indication that people got healed? And this guy, for 38 years, he'd been paralysed and, he, and he's in this place. 
a strange thing, really, but that's what happens. And 38 years is a long time to be ill and to be unable to walk. Jesus was often around people who needed help. He was full of compassion. He loved people. He loved the downtrodden. He loved the poor. He loved the weak. He loved the sick. This is who he said he came for. Jesus said this right at the beginning of when he started becoming public at that time. He said, the, Lord is upon, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favourable year of the Lord. Jesus asks him a question. Do you want to get well? The man doesn't just... I mean, if it was me, if it was you, maybe I'd say, yes, please. Or just a cry of desperation. Yes, I want to get healed. He doesn't say that, does he? He says, oh, I've got no one to put me in the water. And so he's making an excuse. But Jesus asks a very straightforward question. And Jesus here is he's showing his power, his power and authority over sickness. And this is really important. He, Jesus, it wasn't the first time he'd done an amazing miracle. He'd healed someone before, a, neighbor, a nobleman's son. He did amazing things. He would feed the 5,000 with a little boy's lunchbox. He even raised Lazarus from the dead. Someone who's dead, brought to life. That's what Jesus did. A woman who was hemorrhaging for many years, he came and healed her. This is the sort of Jesus that we're coming to. This is the Jesus who people, the four people today were talking about. That's the sort of effect he has. And the man who received his healing, this man, what happened was Jesus said, let's read it what he says. He says, do you want to be healed? And then Jesus says to him, get up, take your bed and walk. Now, it's obvious he wants to be healed. Although he said, there's no one to put me in the water. I'm never first. Maybe you and I, I've definitely felt like that. I'm never first at anything. And he would have been like that. But his situation was far more serious. He could not walk. And uh, Jesus said, said this to him, get up and walk. What an amazing statement. And you've got to believe something's going on in this man's body. 38 years of never moving without someone lifting him somewhere. And something was going on in his body. Because you don't just get up on a command. Something was going on in the man's body. I don't know what it was, but he must have felt sensations going through his body as Jesus, his power of his word, brought healing to this man. 38 years and he comes, he can stand up and he can walk. Jesus makes a difference. When we encounter Jesus, he makes a difference. And that's the story of these four people's lives. They might not have been 38 years not being able to walk, but they were many years, some of them, without knowing Jesus and dead to him. He makes the difference. And it's not about joining a local religious society. It's not about just looking good and playing the part. It's not a little add-on. It's not like, shall I go here or shall I go to the gym? This transforms their life because an encounter with Jesus does that. It doesn't make a small difference. It makes a massive difference. And like in, life, in the life of this guy, what a remarkable turnaround. He couldn't walk and now he can walk. Quite remarkable. Jesus healed this man. And uh, he goes on to say, Jesus, a bit further in the passage, you might not remember it, but I read it out. It said, Jesus said to him, behold, you have become well. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse may happen to you. You see, Jesus has physically healed him, but he's just as keen, if not more keen, to restore him spiritually. Jesus heals the man's body, but he's aiming to heal his soul, to heal his heart. And it's quite interesting. I find, as we read through this, that the man who got healed, his response 
is pretty outrageous, really. Now, if I, I went to the dentist this week and I was in a much better place when I left than when I went in. That's what happens when you get old and you go to the dentist. They make, they make good of a bad job almost. Anyway, and I was, thank you, I'm so grateful for what you did. And that's what should have been this guy's response. Jesus has changed everything. He hadn't just sorted out a two for two. He'd made him walk again. What an amazing transformation. So I find it quite amazing that this guy, he's got up and walked for the first time in 38 years. And he didn't even say thanks. He didn't do anything. He just walked off. Jesus went the other way. That was the end of it. I think it's a pretty outrageous sort of a response, really. But anyway, Jesus heals him and he picked up his bed and walk. And the, the, what sort of makes the problem a bit worse for this guy, he goes off to the temple. But Jesus comes to him and says, don't sin anymore. And Jesus often said that to people when he healed them. He said, sin no more. And it's not like this guy now has to live a perfect life. It's not going to happen. He's not going to go and be perfect. It's that the effects of what God has done should change your life. We all mess up. I don't think there's anyone in this room. In fact, I'm fairly confident there's no one in this room who's never made a mistake, never told a lie, never done something they wish they re- that they now regret. We've all messed up and we're on a journey with God. And that's what God is saying to him. You've been changed. You've been transformed. Now go and sin no more. Go and live the right life that I want you to live, that recognises me. So we continue to to mess up, but God cares about us. And and he knows that, and he wants us to have our lives changed in the same way that these guys were saying, I'm different. Something has transformed me, and I now want to live for him. And it's quite an incredible thing, because Jesus comes and changes us from the inside. He doesn't just add on a list of rules and regulations for for these people to continue with. He says, I'm changing you and I will continue to change you. That's the joy of becoming a Christian. The Bible says he gives us a heart of flesh instead of a heart of stone. What that means is there's an internal work gone on. It's not something, an outward thing. Even that is an outward sign of what's gone internally. There was a time in those four people's lives and in many people in this room where Jesus come and changed you, come and change me. And change my life, not from the outside, but from the inside. And that's what God was hoping to do with this guy who had been healed after 38 years. It's much bigger than we could ever hope for or imagine. The Jewish leaders who who are against Jesus in this passage, they look to the rules. They look to religion. If I keep all these rules, it will be okay. But it's not an add-on. It's not like, shall I go to the gym this morning or church? Oh, I don't feel up to it. I'll go to church. It's not like that. They're not joining a nice little club. They're here saying, I'm a follower of Jesus, the one who died and rose again. And it's, it's not like everything is now going to go perfectly smooth for them. That's not a guarantee by any stretch. But what they will know is Jesus with them, walking with them through every phase of their life, every part of their life. And it's Sunday today, and uh, I have a great privilege really to work for the church and um, on Monday of this of the week just like six days ago I took a funeral of a, a lady 96 years of age and most of our responses are great good innings and all that which it which it is no question about that but this lady became a Christian at 92 years of age and her life changed so instead of being anxious and worried and stressed and those sort of things because I knew her a bit her life had been transformed because of Jesus and then fast forward for the rest of the week, I go to this sort of conference thing uh, yesterday and 
there was one person stood out. You know, we're all well. Jesus stood out, obviously, but one person in the room stood out. There was a, a young woman in that meeting who has a terminal illness, worshiping God, speaking to people, brilliant smile on her face, not putting on a show. Jesus had transformed her life. She knew where she was going. She had a certainty and assurance about eternal life. Jesus. He's upset the crowds because he's doing so well, the religious leaders, because he healed someone on the Sabbath and because the guy picked up his bed, which you're not allowed to do. It's quite remarkable, really, isn't it? Someone who hasn't walked for 38 years and the religious leaders are saying, they're not allowed to walk on the Sabbath. It sort of misses the point quite dramatically. Now, if I was one of the disciples, you may not have ever put yourself in the position of one of the disciples and Jesus was going around doing amazing things. I think I'd be saying to Jesus, I'd have pulled him to one side and said, look, let's not do it on the Sabbath. We're getting a big crowd here. Things are going well. You're healing people. We're feeding the thousands with a bit little lunchbox. Just let's have a day off like everyone else. But he was out to really t- let people know who he was. Jesus went further. And in the last sort of part of our passage that we read, he was basically saying, I'm God. That's the message that he was saying he said, yes, these, the signs point to God. That's what you're saying. Miracles are a signpost to who God is and who Jesus is. And so Jesus is making it really clear in those verses that I'm God. I'm equal to God. Now, there's a quote from C.S. Lewis, and he says this. Um, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it can't be is of moderate importance. He's either God or he isn't. Jesus was not killed for being a good moral teacher, a philosopher, have a few brilliant stories, or even for doing a load of miracles. He ended up getting killed because he said, I am God. And this, these verses that we've read are like, Jesus, look, you're wondering who I am? I've healed someone who's been, been paralysed for 38 years. And just to remind you, I can do it because I'm God. And he infuriated the power leaders of the day, infuriated the religious leaders. But that's the truth. And the whole Bible is about Jesus. People sometimes struggle with reading the Bible. Well, it's the Bible. But when we understand that the Bible is not about the Bible, the Bible is all about Jesus. Read through all the pages and you can see something about Jesus. The Jesus who's transformed these people's lives and has done every day through the decades and the centuries and from time when it began. That's what he does. And if we're not sure about the Bible, the Bible has it's over 400 prophecies, foretellings in the Old Testament about this Jesus who is to come. And then there are 28 prophecies from the Old Testament that tell you what is going to happen on the day that the Messiah, Jesus, died. And he fulfilled them all. If Jesus was just a good teacher or a prophet or a psychologist, then we could just take it or leave it, couldn't we? Maybe I'll take it. I like some, I'll take some good. I'll take this bit, I'll take that bit. He didn't really give us that option. He's either God or he's not. If he's not, well, you know, let's go and do something different. I believe he's God. I'm sure some of you, many of you in this room do. Let's not guess what God is like. Let's find out. Do an alpha course. You saw the video. We're going to run a little alpha taster. Come and find out. If he is God... It's worth your time, I'd say, to find out who this Jesus is. Find out what's made the transformation in these people's lives. To say, I'm willing to stand up in front of you guys and tell you what's happened in my life. Come and find out. Because we can be in danger of creating 
God in our own image, in the one that we like, a better version of ourselves. It's not really a good idea. It's almost ridiculous, really, isn't it? Our best efforts of how creative we can be, of how I can picture this God. I'm not that creative. Some of you obviously probably are. But your best efforts to create a God, an image of God, is ridiculous in comparison to the real thing. In that verse 21, it says, he, he gives life to whoever he wishes, to whoever he will. This is what Jesus does. It says in those verses, life and death are in his hands. Life and judgment are in God's hands. That's how powerful he is. That's how wonderful he is. This, and then when we look at Jesus, what we do is we see what God is like. When you read through the pages of the Bible, when someone tells you, this is my story, how I met Jesus and how it's changed me. That's how we find out about what God is like. Because when we see Jesus, we see God. Jesus treated people with kindness and compassion and love. That's who he was. That's who he is. And the other thing as well, sometimes if we create God in our own little image, in our own world, we can avoid the things that we don't particularly like. And it's good to have our feet rooted in what God says in his word about himself. Like, we might not like the idea of justice. You know, we, we think, oh, I want to come on my terms and my terms only. We do come as we are, as Nicola very aptly said, but we come on his terms too. We might find it tough to think about justice. The religious leaders found him tough. In fact, they were okay with some aspects of him, but there were some bits they didn't like. I like that, but I don't like that part. He's the real thing. Real life is found in Jesus and him alone because he is God. And this sort of fights against some of our, that, the way we might think intuitively. This is counterintuitive. Everywhere and everyone is living the perfect life, it would seem. Isn't it? I guess around here, loads of us are on Facebook. Loads of us, some of us anyway, will be on Instagram. I'm thankfully not on any of those things. No surprise to Tim. But, you know, if you look on people's accounts, they live the perfect life, don't they? It's like, look at me, it's amazing. I'm on this holiday, I'm on that holiday, I've bought a new car. It's, well, you know, that's, there's nothing wrong in those things. Let me make that really clear. But God has got so much more because that's not actually true. You know, the profiles are not actually true. Because, you know, if you get a bigger house, it's still you living in it. If you get a better car, it's still you driving that car. It's still you behind that wheel, just as aggressive or angry or rebellious, whether you're driving a 25-year-old Skoda or an 85 grand BMW. It's still the same you, isn't it? Now, I'm glad I've, I am um, getting older. I know you, you're shocked by that, but I'm getting older. And uh, I've had to see a physiotherapist recently. And I'm glad that this guy I see, because he's very down to earth. Like he said, oh, yeah, you've got a bad shoulder. Yeah, you've got not bad movement for your age. You know, that's the sort of comment. He said, like, he's 25 stone and six foot five. So when he says, lie on the couch, I'm going to do a bit of a massage. It's a bit of a worrying moment. But as he's doing it, you know, I'm nearly crying trying not to cry but doing my best anyway and he's saying y you know you're not too bad you're like you've got white hair like my shirt's off he goes you've got a wrinkled body he says you're not too bad you know just accept this this is not too bad for you I'm just pointing out the fact right that we you know there was no I don't do selfies well I've done one but anyway and there's a good reason why I don't do selfies you know because that's not the truth is it about my life and actually even if you're 30 years younger than me it's not the truth about your life it's far from perfect. 
And the, the, the Jewish leaders, they missed the point. They invented many new laws to set themselves apart. That was, there's this big angst, this battle between Jesus and the religious leaders. And Jesus comes and heals this man because, not just for healing him, although he did it out of compassion and kindness and love for that guy, but he did it to point us towards him because he can deal with something far bigger than the problem that that guy had, which was he couldn't walk. Because one day he got healed, but one day came when he actually died. Because that's the way it works. We know that. Jesus' claim to be God and to be one with the Father is a remarkable claim. And through those verses, it talks about healing. And it says he came and did more great things. Because that's what Jesus does. He loves us and he's full of compassion and wants to touch our lives. Jesus was not happy with the religious leaders because they didn't enter into the kingdom of God and they stopped others because of all their rules and regulations. Jesus was pointing and saying, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. He claimed to be God. And then in a little verse in there says, that so that you will marvel. And we can look on at a distance and Jesus wants us to marvel what he's done and what he wants to do in your life. Because when we think of God, we can think, ah, he's not happy with me. I've done all this wrong. You know, I've messed up here. I've messed up there. I've messed up my kids. I'm the rubbish, you know, son or daughter, all those sort of things. But these things are put in place so that we might marvel at Jesus, not cower down, not be in unrelenting fear, not be scared. We can just have that sense, can't we, of coming before God and I must at best disappoint him. But he wants us to look at him and marvel. Look at the kindness of God, the mercy of God, how much he loves you and me. He come that we might receive forgiveness and know him and know him in his fullest measure. Don't guess about God. Find out. Don't worry about the God of your imagination. Find out who he really is because he's bigger than the God of our imagination by a, a thousandfold or ten thousandfold. He's got the word of eternal life. We can come and marvel at him. He's an amazing God. Jesus made some big statements and he said, life and judgment are in my hand. And sometimes we don't like the word judgment, but he doesn't want us to receive judgment. He wants us to receive life and life in its all, all its fullness. And we're made in God's image, right? That's what the Bible says. And, you know, judgment, we think judgment is a good thing. Most of us would say that, you know. If someone wrongs us, we want them to get their due punishment. We watch something on the news and we think, that's not right. That needs to be addressed. Let me reassure you from the Bible, nothing is getting swept under the carpet with God. Nothing. He knows, but he wants us to come into relationship with him that we don't meet out with judgment, but we meet the living God. We know him, we receive his forgiveness and know his love for us. What an amazing thing. We've had some brilliant testimonies and it's not about being part of a fun crowd of people, which we mostly are most of the time. You know, it's not about that being in a nice school hall and having a nice few add-ons. It's about Jesus changing our hearts and Jesus wants to change your heart today. I absolutely firmly believe that. And know for sure that when he does, it's like, wow, I did not know this. It could be this good. I'm not saying your life will change and you will get that BMW. I'm probably going to say you probably won't get that BMW. But what you will know is through every season of your life, you're going to know Jesus. 
and you're going to know his love and you're going to know his power and you're going to know his kindness towards you as a person. What an invitation. The same power that raised Jesus from the grave can raise you from your grave. You can know Jesus and that free gift of eternal life. And I'm, I'm going to finish right there, but there are two, three things I'd like to say. Firstly, the story is about a guy who got healed. And if in any way you are sick today, we would love to pray for you. You can just ask the person next to you or someone who brought you, speak to any person really, and we'd love to pray for you that God might come and heal you and change your world right here and now. And as Nicola said, we come as we are. We don't have to patch ourselves up. We don't have to think, I've got to solve that problem. I'll deal with that. We come as we are, and then we don't stay the same because Jesus changes us. What a story. What a story that you can have written over your life.